ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Around a decade, Julian Assange has tried everything to avoid the position he finds himself in now, on the cusp of being bundled onto a plane to the United States to face espionage charges that carry a jail sentence of up to 175 years. His fate now rests with a couple of judges in London who will decide whether he can appeal against his extradition to America. Today, media freedom advocate Peter Grester unpacks the case for us. I'm Sam Hawley on Gadigal Land in Sydney. This is ABC News Daily. Peter, Julian Assange's supporters have been gathering outside a court in London again. They've been fighting for a really long time against his extradition to the US, haven't they? A long time. Yes, they, well, they have. I mean, it's been literally been years. And not just his extradition to the US, but, but also fighting for his freedom overall. It looks as though, I mean, this clearly is the very end of, of the process. If they can't win now, then there doesn't seem to be a great deal of hope for, for Julian. Julian is a political prisoner and his life is at risk. And we need people like Assange to come out and tell the truth, you know, expose what's going on. For me, he's a hero. You know, he's an advocate for truth, peace, justice. And... Peter, I think before we get into what's unfolded inside the High Court this week, it really is good to step back and have a quick look at what landed Julian Assange here. It's been a real saga, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Julian, of course, established WikiLeaks, which was set up to publish documents uh, passed to the organisation by leakers, uh, revealing secrets that governments really wanted to keep hidden. For decades, US diplomats have operated under a cloak of discretion, but now these WikiLeak computers are busily serving up their secrets for whoever wants to read them. Obviously, that was something that put him in the eye of, of a lot of authorities, but particularly when he published uh, a trove of, of documents about the, the conduct of, of US forces and the way that they've been running the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. The scale of the leak is daunting. Already they've shown US authorities failed to investigate reports of torture, rape and murder by Iraqi police and soldiers. Julian published unredacted trove of documents uh, under fairly controversial circumstances, but the US accused him of effectively spying on, on the American authorities, of revealing uh, national security secrets, of putting a lot of their sources uh, um, in grave danger. The United States strongly condemns the illegal disclosure of classified information. It puts people's lives in danger, threatens our national security, and undermines our efforts to work with other countries to solve shared problems. Julian, of course, denies it. He says that there was a clear public interest in publishing the documents that exposed some um, pretty horrific uh, behaviours by the US forces, and in particular, the now infamous collateral murder video, which showed 
a US helicopter gunship attacking a group of, of civilians, um, killing quite a large number of them, including two, two journalists from Reuters. U.S. authorities also accused him of conspiring with the American Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning to hack in to a Pentagon computer. So the, the charges are really serious. They're espionage. Yes, and, and it's it's the use of those espionage charges. It's the use of the Espionage Act, which I think is a lot of people, including myself, are finding quite troubling. Um, this is the first time that the US has ever used the Espionage Act mm. for documents that were published in the public interest. It was President Obama who decided not to press charges mm. against Julian Assange under the Espionage Act because he was concerned about the potential impact that that would have on, on press freedom in the US. Mm. But now we see the charges going ahead and, and there are a lot, of, a lot of people, including myself, who are very concerned about what that might mean for journalism. And Peter, for a long time, of course, people will remember, he hid away Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy in the centre of London. He entered the embassy in 2012 and a lot of us will remember the images of him standing on the balcony talking to his supporters who'd gathered on the streets. But why this immoral investigation continues and why the Australian government will not defend the journalism and publishing of WikiLeaks I must remain here. True democracy is the resistance of people armed with the truth against lies. He entered the embassy because he was facing unrelated allegations of sexual misconduct and rape in Sweden, that those charges were later dropped, so it's a little confusing. But just explain to me, why did he go in there and stay in there for so long? Well, because he, he, he faced extradition, as, as you said. Mm. It was because he felt he wasn't able to get, or he claimed he wouldn't be able to get a fair trial, that the charges themselves were also related or politically motivated. This was an attempt to, to get at him and, and uh, his organisation, WikiLeaks. He always insisted that the charges were baseless mm-hmm. and, and denied them vehemently but felt that he couldn't leave the embassy because of the risks of being arrested and, and deported. Mm. Um, he, also, he was also concerned that that would be another way of being deport, deported to the United States through Sweden. Mm, and seven years after he entered, the Ecuadorians really gave him up. They'd had enough of him, I think, and he was dragged out of that embassy in April 2019. He'd long dreamt of leaving the embassy, but not like this. They must resist. You resist. Yelling the UK must resist, Julian Assange was dragged from his diplomatic bolt hole. And he was, of course, arrested, and that's when he entered Belmarsh Prison, the high-security prison in London. Yeah, that's right. And that's really when this latest pro- uh, process really began. Julian has been fighting extradition ever since then, insisting that, as we've been discussing, insisting that he, he's done nothing wrong, he's done nothing other than publish information in the public interest and uh, arguing that there is no way that he can get a fair trial in the United States under the current circumstances. Mm, 
Okay. So that does bring us to today and this High Court challenge. You've said this is really his last chance. Just explain that for me a bit more. Why is this the end of the road for Julian Assange? Well, because what's happening is that he, he's, he's basically applying for leave to appeal. If he cannot appeal, if that leave is denied, then he he will be deported. The only other alternative is, frankly, paper thin, and that's to go to the European Court of Human Rights and ask them to stay the extradition um, on human rights grounds. And so it looks as though if he cannot win this, um, there is a very good chance that within a matter of days or a week or so, he could be on a plane to the United States and, and, and face those espionage charges. His wife, Stella, she was on ABC's 7.30 on ABC TV. She argues that it is a case of life and death because we're told he's not in good health and she doesn't think he would survive any jail time in the United States. He's going to be put in the deepest, darkest hole in the US prison system and it will be much harder for him to be freed. Uh, He cannot survive more time in prison. Uh, He needs to be released, and he needs to be released now. In the court, Peter, his lawyers argue that he's a journalist, that he deserves protection, and they argue that he would never receive a fair trial in America and that the case against him is politically motivated. Of course, the Americans argue that he was responsible for one of the largest compromises of classified material in American history. What do you think? Would he survive if he was extradited to the United States? Look, he's, Julian is, is clearly in, in poor health. The reason is he's not in court and not even following the trial not, or the hearings uh, from his prison cell is because he's in very poor health. An earlier judge in the UK ruled against his extradition because she she said that he would quite likely die in, in uh, US custody and that uh, it was against his human rights. So it's clear that for him to be extradited is is incredibly risky. So, Peter, we're waiting, of course, on the judge's decision, which, as you mentioned, could come in the next few weeks. We've talked a lot about the concerns about his health. Is there any chance, do you think, at this point, that the UK could actually intervene against his extradition? Is the mood in the UK changing at all? It's possible. The Home Secretary, I think, has still has the power to to rule against his extradition to withdraw the case. But I think we need to remember that both the UK and the US governments are currently in campaign mode right now. Clearly, the government is operating in campaign mode. They've got a very strong eye on, on, on the polls. It, it is a very, very conservative government at the moment. And I, I suspect that any kind of compromise in Julian's case is going to be seen as politically difficult for the British government right now. I also think the US is is, is in a similar situation. Joe Biden um, is facing, of course, a very strong conservative challenge from Donald Trump. It It's very difficult for either, either the British government or the US government politically to intervene in this case. Mm, what about Australia then? The federal parliament has passed a resolution earlier this month calling for Julian Assange's return here. The Prime Minister says diplomats are working really hard on this. I have raised at the highest levels 
with the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, Mr Assange's case. I have put the view uh, very clearly privately, as I have publicly, that enough is enough. It's time Julian Assange was brought home. But is there really anything Australia can do at this point? Well, Australia can do what it's been doing, and that's adding pressure to it. But it has no legal standing. There is some diplomatic pressure that it can bring to bear. But um, I think in the greater scheme of things, this is clearly an issue between the US and the UK. I think we've seen public opinion shift quite substantially behind Julian Assange, whatever people think about uh, his behaviour. I think a, a pretty substantial majority of Australians believe that this has gone on for long enough and, mm. and that he needs to come home. But beyond that kind of moral pressure, there are no, there are very few formal diplomatic or, or legal levers that the Australian government can pull. Peter, simply put, I suppose it comes down to an argument over whether Julian Assange is a journalist of need of protection or a hacker who stole classified information from the United States. Well, yes, it is. Um, although I think the argument about whether Julian Assange is or is not a journalist has become a bit of a of a distraction in this. Mm. What what Julian what WikiLeaks published was clearly in, in the public interest. Um, it it forced some very difficult conversations about U.S. Um, operations, U.S. tactics in in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. The way in which the Espionage Act is being used has very serious implications for, for journalism and press freedom more broadly. And I think for those reasons, um, it, it is time to, to bring Julian home to end this mm. case and, and, and move on. Mm. And if that doesn't happen, what are the effects going to be for journalism and press freedom? You know, how problematic can that become? It raises very serious challenges. One of the big issues here is the way in which the US government has gone after someone who is outside of their country on espionage charges and that puts other journalists who are working on investigations into the behaviour of, of US forces outside of their country. It puts them in, in, in grave danger. It has a, a very serious chilling effect on the work that journalists are able to do and, and their ability to protect their sources. Peter Grester is a media freedom advocate and a professor of journalism at Macquarie University. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please don't forget you can make us a favourite on the ABC Listen app. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Bridget Fitzgerald, with audio production by Sam Dunn. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening.